Greetings. Welcome to the Say What You Mean podcast with the Alternative Guitar Summit and myself, Joel Harrison. Today we're with Brad Shepard. One of the things we'll talk about is the Ralph Towner Tribute Concert we're doing at DROM in Manhattan on March 25th, 2019. We hope you'll join us. Shepik, and we're going to talk about Brad's history, and we're going to focus on the Alternative Guitar Summit's tribute to Ralph Towner, which is coming up. And Brad studied with Ralph many years ago, so Brad, I want you to talk to us a little bit about your history growing up in Seattle, just a, a brief overview, and then how you met Ralph and what you ended up studying with him. Oh. Okay. Um, well, I was uh, probably 19 when I met Ralph, and I met him through a roommate who was studying with Ralph um, and sort of acting as a roadie uh, for Oregon at that time. And uh, I was attending Cornish College of the Arts, and I was studying with uh, Jim Knapp and Julian Priester, all these great teachers there, Jay Clayton, uh, Jerry Grinelli, um, and um, so Ralph Towner was also part of that uh, circle. Gary Peacock was there. Um, uh, what year was this? This would have been like 86. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 86, I think, 86 or 87. And yeah, I remember, you know, uh, just I forget how I was able to do it, but somehow Cornish allowed me to study with Ralph and uh, get credit for it. And so I ended up taking um, composition, I guess, lessons. I would show up with several ideas or, or some ideas about composition. And, and I had written some music before that. Um, it was always, I thought that was the reason to play music was to make things up, you know, and that was my interest. So I was already writing music and and so this provided an opportunity to sort of get some feedback on what to do. And uh, I remember Ralph being a great teacher in that he was very uh, uh, supportive and he, he tried to point me into some really good uh, avenues of, of learning, like transcription, um, learn this tune. Um, you know, he would have me listen to different Bill Evans recordings. And, and compositionally, he would say well this is a kind of a nice idea here and in terms of improvising you could you know say take this general tonality of this area and that could be part of the form in in other words you wouldn't have to play exactly and some of the organ tunes are like that you know in his music too yes you don't have to follow the the actual melody in the way of benny golson does you know um a distillation was, of, of the material into a shorter form. Kind of, yeah, just getting the general idea of it. If it's a major seven sharp five chord with a sharp nine or whatever, you know, yeah. and then, you know, I'm just totally generalizing there. But but it was very supportive and um, 
And his music just really attracted me. I guess Solstice was the first album I, I checked out um, yeah. a couple years, two or three years before that, you know. And um, and it was just such a mood, you know, that just I remember listening to that record over and over. Um, it is this very evocative and atmospheric and... I was just listening to it before you came over. Yeah. And the other thing that's so specific about it is, first of all, that he's playing 12-string guitar and the way that he accompanies Jan Garbarek because it's finger-picked yeah. guitar is completely different. <laughs> probably doing listening to a lot of Ralph's music right now and looking at his his videos and just seeing what he does you realize how really totally unique his compositions are but also his his technique mm. and the way he approaches the instrument and the sound that he strives for and you know obviously he gets it every time but um I'm super in love with the last record that he did my foolish heart and and yeah. this piece uh Pilgrim which I, I'm actually kind of considering doing that because oh. you know, the two pieces that I picked are in similar keys and maybe similar vibes. So, hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, I just it's it's really endless with Ralph. I you know I thought about a lot of tunes that I wanted to you know play. It's just his music for the guitar is just beautiful. Yeah, you know, number one, and his sound, his approach to it. Well, talk to us a little bit about um, how his approach to music is similar to yours because i think one of the things i've reflected on is that the fact that i've investigated indian music and classical music with jazz is something that he was doing um and somewhat unconsciously and consciously i absorbed some of that early in life as i'm sure you did so right. i know you've been deeply involved with balkan music right and i also know that you're composing is influenced by a variety of, of things. Um, talk to us a little bit about your your approach and and how you see it as similar to Ralph's. I mean, that's a good point. I think part of it might have to do with uh, geographically the West Coast. Hmm. Um, I didn't come up. I mean, I love Joe Pass and all the the you know bebop stuff but i didn't come up with a teacher that showed me how to do that and you know um something about world music and music from 
uh, Greece or Turkey or Morocco or Africa just always really attracted me as a kid. And I would go to the library and just check out records. This is when I was like 13. That's how I discovered Bird. Hmm. It was, you know, just checking out records um, at random. A lot of times just because what the instrument that was on the cover and hear what that sounds like. Hmm. And then it was a process of discovery. And um, I, I clearly remembered um, Dave Holland's Seeds of Time, that album, and Steve Coleman, and hearing him talk about the the Bulgarian Women's Choir. And so then I thought, I'll check that out, you know, as a teenager, you know, maybe I was 18. And uh, it just kind of kept growing, and I would transcribe things and try to play them and try to write songs that had you know twos and threes in them like a steve coleman tune like the song urin that he wrote and i just thought you know you could use all these influences it doesn't have to be um you know just um about bird and monk and miles davis and 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 i still think that because uh, you know they didn't think it was only about that and, you know bird was looking outwards mm. and as coltrane and miles and they incorporated all these things hmm. into their uh, their story, but uh, I mean, I think Ralph's music has this just this beauty of that um, inclusiveness. You know, there's a lot hmm. of influence in that music. You know, with with Colin and the tabla and the sitar and the oboe and the English horn and just it's, yeah. you know, soprano saxophone. I'm just still floored by you know Paul McCandless every. <laughs> every yeah. note he plays is yeah. just it's just amazing you know i got to play with him a couple years ago we did a recording with him with the nyu combo nouveau group and oh, wow. uh, he was just wonderful just you know yeah yeah when i lived on the west coast he was you, there yeah and, and right i got to play with him too and i had a, a similar feeling it's just so wow how does he do that you know it's just like normal guy and then he puts the horn in his mouth and it's just some sort of yeah near perfection in kind of, everything yeah. he does yeah it kind of is but anyway so the that inclusiveness thing that openness to influences i think is a west coast thing maybe you know nobody as i was growing up said hey you got to learn how to play in an altered chord you know that wasn't seattle somehow yeah. and i remember dan greenblatt who you may or may not know he's the dad of tatum years ago he he was the head of the new school and he came to hear me play and he's like yeah there's no altered chords in this music it was some you know it's all wow. modal stuff you know and yeah. i'm like yeah you know i was like well it's this i guess it's the seattle yeah <laughs> you know since then you know right it's gotten more there but you know i grew up on pat metheny and and yes bill frizzell and john schofield jim hall and ralph downer yeah, yeah i mean so what about the Balkan music influence? Tell us a bit about how you've incorporated that and... Um... Right. Well, I mean, out in Seattle, we were just fooling around transcribing and I would write tunes in 7-8 and people would go 11-8 and, and we would try to do that. But out here, I met some guys, Dave Douglas and Matt Dario, especially... Matt, I still play with Matt a lot. We just went to Bulgaria and Romania and we toured with uh, Theodosi Spasov, who is, um, you know, uh, really the, the preeminent Kaval player. It's a shepherd's flute and blown flute that he plays. And, uh, you know, we've had a long relationship with almost mm. 
20 years of playing with Theodosi. Mm. And uh, so, but it was when I came to New York. And of course, I have to mention Sato Salafoski, who's a, a Rome um, percussion player from, from Macedonia. He sort of, I learned a lot from him just playing, you know, and not really, you know, talking too much about it, but just, you know, his musical tradition is all by ear and just do it like this. And, you know, yeah. and he got me into... Yuri Yunakov's band. He's a saxophone player who used to play with Ivo Papazov. Mm -hmm. And we played for, I don't know, a few years, did a few gigs and a recording. When Yuri first came over uh, in the early 90s, uh, he, he got political asylum, you know, uh, being a Rom refugee after mm -hmm. the, the fall of the communism and the wall. You know, there's a lot of turmoil and stuff. So, um, I learned a lot from that experience. We just played Yuri's music. We learned it all by ear, you know, sitting around his kitchen table and wow. he he didn't know what the chords were, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I didn't even have the source recording. So he would just go, yeah, you know, major, minor, you know, right. no, yes, <laughs> you know, and we sort of cobbled it together over time. So, wow. yeah. That okay. doesn't happen anymore. Everything's well, I, on YouTube. Maybe, but I no, I, I believe it happens. It happens every day. No, yeah, so. we're, we sound like old guys. You do that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I just had a birthday, so <laughs> no. But I, I, you're right. But you're wrong. We're, you know, we're we're seeing it every. We have to. Yeah. We're just human. Human beings do that. They just. Yeah. They, that's how they create. I think that's my. We don't get it out of books. We get it out from uh, direct contact. Of, I agree. And if we don't, we should. Yeah, well, I it's don't know more much. of a direct transmission. It, it is. It just sticks so much, man. Sometimes you know you you think of like three or four words that somebody said to you, you know, like a teacher or just a person, you know, and they can make such a difference. about Brad Shepik, the composer. Take one or two of your records that you feel showcase some of your finest writing and talk to us about the music and what it means to you and how you feel it uh, stands out as something you're proud of. Boy, that's something I never think about, honestly, and I'm not trying to dodge, but I, you know, it's always arising out of a need so whatever I'm doing, whether, you know, whether I'm composing, it's arising out of a need to do something, you know, to get something out there. So I don't really judge it, but I do like The Well, that album, The Well, and it's sort of kind of older. So I like that. I like the things that we did with Pechora, some of my tunes in there, Aquarians. I don't know, my last organ trio album with Gary Versace, I like, you know, some of the tunes on that. And, and so that's a different approach to the more larger ensembles and the more world music oriented ones you've done. Oh yeah, um, Human Activity. I like some of those things on that, yeah. Human yeah. Activity with uh, Gary again, who's just like, he's magic, he, any, anything he does. Yeah. He's great. He plays accordion, he plays organ, and he always creates something you know, that you don't expect. And just, yes. it's way beyond what you could ever conceive. I could conceive. He's just mm. like, he's 
really good. And I hear him in other bands, and I'm like, yeah, of course, yeah, he's he stands alone really in that regard. He yes. must he must just I don't know what he drinks for, <laughs> you know, or eats or anything. Just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But I heard him with Ingrid Jensen not too long ago. It was like, yeah, wow, perfect. So your approach to playing changed a little when you came to New York. Um, it sounds like you got more deeply involved in the um, jazz tradition. Sort of. I got a call from Paul Motion in 1991 on, on April Fool's Day. And it was, it was like, uh, I, I thought it was an April Fool's joke, actually. Uh -huh. And apparently Bill Frizzell had given him my number and he said, yeah, I want to start this electric bebop band. So then I played with him for five years with Rosenwinkel and Muthspiel. Different guys did it at different times. And we did mm. a bunch of tours and a couple records. And I did some arranging and some writing for it. It was a great opportunity. And I wish I could do it again because, I, you know, I would do it much better. <laughs> you know, I mean, I still feel like I'm, you know... Yeah, I mean, all of that music, I study it so much now, especially since I'm teaching and really try to get inside of it, go back and learn a bunch of Charlie Christian things and see how that really branched out and Lester Young things and how it all kind of codes down to Lester Young and Jim Hall. Well, how, how so? Well, I mean, he's such an inventor. Mm. Give us there's a, no jazz without Lester Young. Like a tune that you would... You want people to hear by Lester Young. Oh, how about Lady Be Good? something else on it so I mean I'm not a young person anymore by any means but now I'm sort of starting to feel like okay maybe a little bit longer of studying this stuff and maybe I can start to add something of my own to it yeah you know so do you feel as I do that there's an endless well of information in the bebop and the yes. post bebop Absolutely. tradition yeah. that is yeah. terribly demanding 
in terms of what it asks the player to do Absolutely. and rich yeah. in resources. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's endless. Just with Bird, you know? Yeah. Just with Bird. And I remember when we were with Paul, he would, you know, did you hear a bird flight this morning? You know, the Phil Schapp show, which is oh, an right. amazing radio show. And he goes so in depth. The other day he was talking about this session where they recorded six takes of Chi Chi. Uh -huh. You know, and yeah, just like minute by minute breakdown. It's yes. Just, it's really fascinating, you know. Talk to us about your teaching. So are you... I'm teaching theory um, and improv, uh, an improv class that goes to 1958. And I also uh, get to teach a uh, Chicago blues class, which is like a history of Chicago blues, which is basically the history of african-american music you mm. know um is the way i approach it and uh that's amazing i love teaching that i always constantly doing research on on that and then i get to teach a balkan music course talking about different uh regions of the balkans and wow. it covers a lot of people that i've been playing with over the years and um so like that so and i of course i learn a lot from that yeah you know, uh, doing that and, and i expose it you know and then i teach a couple of ensembles one of them's strictly kind of world music and we do a lot of balkan music and some kind of now we're sort of getting more into the music of mali and things like that but a lot of balkan things because the the rhythms are so unique you know from the balkans and the kids, the I mean, the musicians really, really like it, you know? Yeah. So, Actually, what about if I show you this thing that I learned? It was kind of one of the first Balkan tunes that I learned. It's a tune called Gankino Oro, and it's in 11-8, and it, it goes like this. So yeah, that the count of that is uh, one two one two one two three one two one two. So one two one two one two three one two one two. Mm -hmm. So from playing that music that way and trying to get that rhythm into my, you know, blood, it sort of started to come out in playing jazz tunes and sort of just come out um, sort of intuitively. And so at some point I got the bright idea to do it on, do that particular rhythm on, on a Green Dolphin Street. <laughs> some folks have said it's wow. maybe not such a bright idea, but. Lay it on us.
Brad Shepik on the House Telecast. Man, let me warm up next time. Hey, do me one favor before you stop. Slow down some of those ornaments okay. that you do that are typical for Balkan. Uh, okay, day. yeah. So, um, so uh, let's see. That might be the that might be the basic rhythm of this eleven eight one two. things you know there's this one it's a half step um so instead of going you could go you know um 16th notes that are just uh, a little blip and um and then another one um is is like a double glissando from a whole step so i'm on my third finger It's gonna be harder. There's less places to play, um, but the level is better. Mm. The level's levels higher. People are are, you know, taking advantage of all the resources that they see. And you know, it's easier to find the really good stuff yeah, wherever right you away. look. Yeah. yeah. So I think it ups everybody's game. I don't know where it's gonna come out. You know, people seem to be getting better earlier. Yeah. Absolutely, they come in, in and they're they've checked out a lot of music and yeah, absolutely. And there there's a lot more I would say uh, focus on learning the tradition before you try to do something on your own. Whereas when I came up, I would say it was all about you know like what are you gonna do? You're just gonna copy these great players, you know. The idea was you know to do something on your own. Yeah, you know. Think so, about, you know, like how many, how different like Schofield and and Metheny and Frizzell are just to take those three guys who came out of Jim Hall. Yeah. Like they're, they're similar. They have that connection, but they're really a, super different in, in, ter- in terms of a lot of things that just come through the music without, I don't know, on a sublingual level, I think. Yeah. I yeah. Know. So... What's upcoming for you? Tell us a little bit about what the near future holds. Mm-hmm. Recordings? Yeah, well, I'm working on some new pieces for the organ trio. We have some work coming up for that. I have a duo with Tom Beckham. We're working on some music. Uh, we have some things talking about doing some touring next year, later on. 
Nick's Ball, I should say. I just did a bunch of work with Jamie Baum uh, with her Septet Plus, which was a lot of fun. I think there's going to be some more stuff with that. What else? I have this this group that is so overdue to record. It's myself, Ben Monder on uh, Fender Bass 6, and Chris Cheek, and Diego Voglino. And we've been playing on and off this book of my tunes for like four or five years, and I just have not recorded it yet, but I've got to do that, you know? And wow. I also have a band um, called the Balkan Peppers with Sado, who I mentioned earlier, the Rome percussionist, and it's his music and my music and some covers. Um, and we're, yeah, we, we're overdue to record too. So, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot on the teaching side in the last couple of years. Now it mm. seems to be like going down a little bit in that area. So, you know, I'm looking to do that, you know, this year. Wow. Uh, that sounds like a, a abundance. It's kind of a full plate, and yeah. it's kind of intimidating to think about trying to do all this stuff. So it's hard trying to stay focused one step at a time. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the next thing that's coming up, I have a, a gig with, uh, with the organ trio. We're really trying to focus on that. I'm trying to get some new stuff. I have a lot of music in my head. I've been listening to a lot of great tunes, music that's inspiring me a lot, especially Umu Sangare's latest album mm. Mogoya I love that it's kind of more mixed with uh, um, electric sounds yeah and uh, so that's really inspiring oh, I'll have me. to check that yeah out. it's a great yeah. you just yeah and the tempos and the the produce the production of it it's really great yeah, yeah kind of that one had it's a couple of years old but it had slipped by me I didn't really yeah but she's uh, I just love her her singing is just so inspiring to it's me. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, I think that wraps it up. Brad, thank you for talking with us today. Wow, it's been my pleasure, Joel. Looking forward to this concert and playing Ralph's music. I'm just yeah. really looking forward to it. All right. Thank you.